If you're like me at all, maybe you're not, maybe you spend some time trying to figure out the ways of the world, you know, those things that you ponder sometimes. Like, why do good girls fall for bad boys? Why does a shock hurt only when you're looking at it? Why is it that no matter how much preparation goes into something, there's always something else that needs to be done? Why do rich people and poor people both complain about not having enough money? What? <laughs> Why do we drive on a parkway and park on a driveway? <laughs> Why do we say something's out of whack? What's the whack? If a pig loses its voice, is it disgruntled? When someone asks you a penny for your thoughts and you put your two cents in, what happens to the other penny? If a man who invests all your money, why is he called a broker? Why do croutons come in airtop packages? Aren't they just stale bread to begin with? Why is a person who plays the piano called a pianist? But a person who drives a race car is not called a racist. Why do wise man and wise guy mean opposite things? Why do overlook and oversee mean opposite things? Why isn't the number 11 pronounced 1D1? If FedEx and UPS were to merge, would they call it Fed Up? Do Lipton T employees take coffee breaks? Mothers feed their babies with tiny little spoons. If the culture uses chopsticks, what do they use? Toothpicks. <laughs> you notice no one ever says it's only a game when their team is winning. You ever wonder what the speed of lightning would be if it didn't zigzag? If four out of five people suffer from diarrhea, does that mean the one enjoys it? <laughs> Why do they consider it necessary to nail down the lid of a coffin? Why does the sun light your hair but darken your skin? Why can't women put on mascara with their mouth closed? <laughs> Why is abbreviate such a long word? Why doesn't glue stick on the inside of the bottle? Why is lemon juice made with artificial flavor but dishwashing liquids made with real lemons? What would an albino polar bear look like? Why do people recite at a play and play at a recital? If teachers taught, why don't preachers prop? Can fat people go skinny to me? Why do they sterilize the needle for lethal injections? You know the indestructible black box on a plane? Why don't they make the whole thing of it? There are three religious truths. Jews do not recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Protestants do not recognize the Pope as the leader of the Christian faith. And Baptists do not re recognize each other in the liquor store or Hoosh. <laughs> All of these things are kind of pointless, right? They're, they're questions that you may get caught up thinking about, pondering, and spending your time on. Maybe there are ways that we look at the world, but have you ever turned to the Bible for answers like that? It can be almost as dangerous. 
What if you actually picked up the Bible while you were depressed and turned to Matthew 27, 5, where it says that he threw the money back in the temple and went away and hanged himself? And what if by chance you turned to our text today and read the teacher's words? Today we're going to take a quick look at the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, the whole book. Because, uh, it's one of Carrie's favorites. Always has been. She loves the book of Ecclesiastes. It wasn't mine. Um, for many years, I found Ecclesiastes kind of annoying, honestly. It seemed much like my introduction. Pointless. You would read it and I would go, what, what is this supposed to be? Ecclesiastes is a book of wisdom, it says, written by the teacher. And, and most scholars believe that this teacher would be Solomon. And if we read the Bible as the Bible's written, and we read exactly what it is that, that Solomon asked for, he was given wisdom, we're told, from God. That was the gift that God gave him, because God said, what do you want? He said, give me wisdom. And God said, sure, because you asked for that, you're going to have wisdom, and everything else that you could have had too. So it's strange to me, and it was always strange to me, that this book was coming from Solomon, who was supposedly gifted wisdom, like no one has ever seen. But obviously this wise man is struggling with life and how it plays out when we read here in chapter 1. Now, I wouldn't pick up this chapter at the wrong time to read just this, but in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, absolute futility, says the teacher, Absolute utility. Everything is futile. What does a man gain for all his efforts that he labors at under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets, panting. It returns to its place where it rises, gusting to the south, turning to the north, turning, turning goes the wind, and the wind returns in its cycles. All the streams flow to the sea, yet the sea is never full. The streams are flowing to the place and they flow there again. All things are wearisome. Man is unable to speak. The eye is not satisfied by seeing or the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Can one say about anything, look, this is new. It has already existed in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of those who came before, and of those who will come after. There will be no, also no remembrance by those who followed them. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel. The words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for all that you give us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people say. Can you see why that book for, for a long time just annoyed me? You open it up and it says, Meaningless! Pointless vanity. Everything, that's how the book starts. Everything is meaningless. I mean, I pick up, you know, when a new believer comes to the faith, Ecclesiastes is one of the last books I tell them to read. Because if they come to Jesus and their first line they read is everything is meaningless, that's kind of hard to sell them on, right? But this is one of those books, and you read this and you go, what? I, this comes from the same guy who writes Proverbs. And all the great things that are there. And, and all of those all of those things that have happened. You remember 
talked, and I talked about how Proverbs was the rule, but there's always exceptions. That's where Solomon is at this point. Solomon has written all these Proverbs, and he knows that they're the rule, but he's trying to explain the exceptions. That's where we come at in Ecclesiastes. He's, he's near the end of his life, and he's looking, and he's going, none of this makes sense. Because you know what? Sometimes life just isn't going to make sense. It just doesn't. I mean, have you ever felt like a teacher here? You look up, and, and it's like nothing I do matters. The teacher here says it's all meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Everything that I do is meaningless. It doesn't matter what I do because it doesn't accomplish what I want it to accomplish. And no matter how hard I try, what I'm trying to get to, I'm not getting to. You ever been there? Where you think you're doing everything. And I'm taking every step that I need to take. And I'm doing the things that I need to do. And he says, there's nothing new under the sun. He says, I keep trying. I'm just going to die anyway. That's what he says. I'm just going to die anyway. It's all meaningless. I, I don't know where to turn. The wind is still going to blow. The earth is still going to turn. Even after I'm long gone. So everything I'm doing is meaningless. I'll soon be forgotten. I'm not leaving any real mark on the world. You ever been there? I just, I just live in Lapan, Texas. I'm not the center of attention. I'm not a Hollywood star. I, I don't have any real power. I live in Lapan. And, and I, I, I work my life. I try to raise my family. I try to get along. I hope that my days are long. But sometimes it feels like it's all meaningless anyway. Because it's all going to go away. It's funny. Uh, my dad, he's going to go up this sermon, obviously. Um, I said obviously, but to me, I know what's coming later. Uh, he had one goal in his life, really, because he came from poor circumstances. His goal was to make a million dollars. And when he died, to give half of it to me and half of it to my sister. That was his goal. That's, that's what he wanted to accomplish. Um, and he was well on his way to that goal when he had his wreck. And in that moment, it all went away. In that moment, it no longer mattered. In that moment, it didn't matter how much money he had tonight. It didn't matter what was going to happen because there were still going to be bills when he was gone. There were still going to be things that had to be paid for. And all, suddenly all this work that he had put in really came here for me. It was all meaningless because it was going to go away. I feel like I'm going to work forever and my kids are going to work forever and my grandkids are going to work forever and so on and so forth. And the earth will remain and will be forgotten. And even if I'm a success, I feel like I still failed because it's all meaningless. That's a pretty grim outlook. It's kind of depressing. It makes you go, what in the world is this doing in the Bible? But you know, it gives us a little bit of help when we feel that way. To know that even the person who was called the wisest man who ever lived felt like this sometimes. Because there are times when I would never be claimed to be the wisest man who ever lived, not even in the top six billion probably, I don't know. But to know the guy who was wisest at times went, none of this makes sense. 
I don't understand why she dies and she lives. I don't understand why that person who has just as good of a voice as that person made $16 billion in record sales and they're still struggling in the bars trying to make some money. I never under, I don't understand why this mother poured her heart and her life into her children and took them to church every Sunday and loved on them. And her children still did what children were going to do when they became adults and did what they wanted to do. Some of this just doesn't make any sense. And so the fact that the teacher could look at this and go, man, he didn't feel like everything was always okay. He didn't feel like everything in life was going to be just coming up roses. He said, you know what? Sometimes it appears meaningless. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop by saying that it's all meaningless because he goes on over to, to chapter 3. And in chapter 3, it's, it's a very famous passage, right? It says, there is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to fill. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to avoid embracing. A time to search and a time to count as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for in chapter 3, we see this glimmer of hope. Because even when things seem hopeless and pointless, God is still working in the midst of it all. Solomon is sitting here, and if we read this word for word, he starts out with everything is meaningless. Pleasure is meaningless. Possessions are meaningless. Value, wisdom only has relative value. Work is empty. And then he gets to chapter 3 and he says, but... But there seems to be a plan. There seems to be a path. There seems to be something at work in order that unless you watch, you don't see. People live and people die. People kill and people heal. People are silent and they speak. There seems to be a time for everything. So there must be a force controlling some of this. The earth still moves when I'm gone, so something must control it. There's a pattern. It may look all meaningless, but there's something going on here. Something bigger at play. Because even when things are pointless, even when things seem hopeless, God is still working in the midst of it. He is still at work doing the things that He is going to do. Because when you go on there, what does He say? He goes on into verse 12. He says, I know there's nothing better for them than to rejoice and enjoy the good life. Because finding joy in the living of life is a gift from God. There's nothing better than for man to be happy and do good. So no matter what this world is like, if we're happy and doing good, things are coming up roses. Things are where they need to be. Things may seem meaningless, but you know, some of the happiest things we do are essentially meaningless. They are. Some things we do for pure enjoyment. There's no point to them. They're not furthering anything along. In the grand scheme of things, they're just there. Did you realize that things don't have to be full of deep meaning to be important? Last night our house was full. 
that an extra boy there. Um, and a little sister was jealous. She didn't like they wanted to play together and not be with her. And so mama and sister butted heads yesterday quite a bit. Go, um, sister. No, I want to do this. And so last night, I was up way too late. Because I went into sister's room and I sat there in a chair playing the music she wanted to play until she fell asleep. There's no deep meaning to that. But it was important. There's no deep meaning, but it's important. Because it brought sister peace and it brought me joy. Because finding joy in the living of life is a gift from God. Things may seem meaningless, but if we enjoy our work that we don't that we have to do anyway, <laughs> then our happiness will not fail. The teacher is literally saying to stop and smell the roses. Find joy in the small things of life. Don't run after the things in this world so hard that you miss life. Don't try so hard to be meaningful that you become meaningless to those around you. That should have been the point, but I didn't put it up there. Don't try so hard to be meaningful that you become meaningless to those around you. For 25 years, my dad worked for UPS. Uh, and uh, people often ask why I was so much closer to my mom than to my dad. And the real reason was he tried too hard to be meaningful. And so in some ways he became meaningless. Um, I love Christmas today. Most of you look at me crazy when all of first my decorations begin to come out. It's my favorite time of the year. It wasn't always that way. When Daddy worked for UBS, he was the center manager at the Fort Worth hub off the north side. And most Christmas Eves, we didn't get to kick back and relax and be a family. We were in the car, driving all over Dallas for work, trying to deliver last-minute packages that his drivers didn't get delivered the day before. And while I understand, as 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 a believer and as a dad and everything else, the importance of getting the presence there. I also look back as the child who was in the car, remembering that I hated this. I hated the fact that, that my dad wanted to make Christmas so special for everybody else that it wasn't being as special for me. What Solomon says is find the joy in life. Stop and smell the roses. Maybe it doesn't have to be done today. Maybe, maybe you can put this one thing off. God gives us the ability to live with joy in order to overcome the meanness nature the world can have. But if we don't ever take the time to live in that joy, we get overwhelmed by the meanness. We, 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 get, we get overwhelmed. It's so important just to stop and take the time. 
because that's the gift from God. Maybe, maybe it's playing the card game. I have a lot of family issues. Um, I don't like playing games. Because both sides of my families were a bunch of whiners and cheaters. <laughs> and so they ruined playing games for me. It was like, you didn't go where somebody didn't fight. And I was just like, this is supposed to be fun. What's fun about this? So it's hard for me when my kids say, can we help play Monopoly? And I, and I had these visions, and I'm like, no. No, no, no. And they're like, why? Because when I beat you, you're going to cry. I mean, because... Can we play a card game? No. Why? Because, because you're going to get behind and you're going to throw a fit. I mean, it, it happened last night. I blew the cards off the table because I wasn't ever going to go out. I don't know. But it's still important to say, yeah, I'll play that game. I'll do that thing with you. Find joy in the living of life. That just means that if you work, find joy in the work. If you're with your family, Find joy in being with your family. <laughs> it is so easy today to be with your family and not be with your family. Mm -hmm. But how much do we miss? How many conversations do we not have a chance to be a part of? How many questions from our children don't get answered because we don't hear what they're saying? Because we're engaged somewhere else. And we all do it. We don't like to admit it, but we all do it. Because we carry our calendar on. We write letters in our pocket. And we check our news in our pocket. And it's all right there. There's more power in my pocket every day than put the first man on the moon. <laughs> every day. More power there than there was in all the computers that sent them to the moon. And we get so tied up in that that we miss all of this.
about my friends here. He didn't worry about those around me. Finding the joy in the living of life is a gift from God. But then, after this, Solomon again starts turning his back, his talk, thoughts back to that mundane, downhearted stuff. He says things like, the dead are better off than the living. The wise is, is better than the fool. Women can be traps and snares. His thoughts are dark and they're bad. But in the end, he always says, we all just end up dead anyway. Meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless. It's a dark book to me, sprinkled with light intermittently. But when you read the book as a whole, which is why we're doing this sermon this way, you get a different picture. It's a picture of a man on the journey of life, seeking the truth and pondering what he needed to understand his lot in the great scheme of things. He starts at a low point, and then he finds some high points, and he continues on, and he goes up, and he goes down. And life is good, and life is bad, and life is good, and life is bad, and it makes sense here, and sometimes here it doesn't make sense. Does that sound familiar? Does life ever feel that way for you? It makes perfect sense right here. And everything is good and it's going and I'm on top of the mountain. But suddenly something happens and nothing at all makes sense anymore. And I don't understand why it's happening this way. And it feels like things just keep on rolling. But then if I keep going, I see God's hand in it. And I see him pull me back up and put me where he wants me to be. And I keep going with the same things over and over and over again. But the teacher's journey finally comes to an end in, in chapter 12, where he says there in verse 13, when all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is, fear God and keep his commands, because this is for all humanity. A life of faithfulness to God brings meaning and purpose to a world that can sometimes seem purposeless. That's what brings meaning to all this when we have a life of faithfulness to God. Because we're not always going to feel like being faithful. You know, <laughs> I remember saying some things to my parents at times, and I have had my kids say things to me. Sometimes I'm the meanest person in the world. Y'all hate me. I hate this house. I never get to do anything that I want to do. And I told, told Michael last night that uh, me and Mama will always love you. But when you act like this, we might not like you. She looked at me and I said, that's just the way it is, isn't it? Because there are expectations that we expect you to come up to. And right now you've hurt mama's feelings. How do we make amends for that? And it becomes a teachable moment. But that's how it is with God sometimes, right? God is like my children. Or we're like oh, my children to God. You're the meanest God there is because you didn't get me what I want. I didn't get the job that I was praying for. I didn't 
get the new car that I was looking for. I, I didn't win the lottery that I played. You just don't love me enough, God. We may not say those things out loud, but we've thought it before. We've thought, God, I don't understand why you're doing this to me. Why me? Why me? And that old country song, right? Why me, Lord? Why me, Lord? That's, that's, we, we've been there. But faithfulness, when we're faithful, when we follow God and do what we're supposed to do, when we don't feel like doing it, it'll bring meaning and purpose to a life that can see purposes. That means I step out there when I don't want to. I swallow my pride when I don't want to. I shut my mouth when I want to say something. I do the things that God has called me to do rather than doing the things that I want to do. Because when I lead a life that is faithful to God, everything else falls into place. Because even the meaningless begins to take on meaning. Even the meaningless begins to work together. Because God is always working together for the good of those who love Him. Maybe this morning you've been stuck in chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes for the past few months. Maybe you've been struggling and saying, none of this makes any sense. God, I don't know why you're doing this to me. Maybe that's where you're at. Push on. Don't stop in chapter 1. Move on to chapter 3. See that there's someone in control. Move on to the end of chapter 12 where God said, where, 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 where Solomon says, being faithful to God brings meaning, meaning to meaninglessness. Maybe this morning you've been struggling with finding joy in the simple living of life. Now's the time to realize that all this stuff of the world is just stuff. It's time to simply be in the moment with the people that God has put in your presence. Maybe this morning you have some other need. Maybe you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to serve the missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning, maybe you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you have been struggling in a meaningless world without the meaning of having a Savior. Now's the time to walk the aisles of the Detroit. I want to know Jesus. I want to have meaning. I want to be able to walk that road. I want to be able to walk the streets of heaven. I want to be there that day when every knee bows. And I don't want to be one of those knees that bows and then God says, go apart, depart from me. I want to be a knee that bows and then he says, enter into your eternal rest. Maybe that's you today. Come down now to Detroit. I want to know Jesus and we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, wherever you're needing, to him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings.